You may be seated. If you would, turn to Matthew chapter 23. I would like to finish up our time today and just um, remind us of why we love the cities of the world and the villages of the world where people are lost and why we are to go and find them. As you're turning to Matthew chapter 23, I want to read a couple other passages before um, I make some comments this morning and guide, our, guide us for a few minutes. Matthew 28, 18, Matt shared it earlier. Jesus came to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so I want you to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Not just one nation, but all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And this is what I want your mission to be as you go. You're going to proclaim me. They're going to come to faith. And this is going to be your heartbeat. This is the missional heartbeat of Christ. These are the last words that he said. Before he left, this is what he said. He said this, I want you to teach people everything that I've taught you. And then what happened was this, is those people taught other people, and those people taught other people, and those people taught other people. And here we are in 2019, and those who have come to faith have embraced Jesus' last words, go to your neighborhoods, go to the nations, and I want you to proclaim me, and as people come to know me, you train people to walk in what I have said. And I want to remind you that I will be with you until the very end of the age. And in that missional call from Christ to this group of people who watched him ascend to heaven. And then they went to Jerusalem and they awaited the coming of the Holy Spirit who on the day of Pentecost indwelt them and they stepped into the streets and guess what they did? They proclaimed the scripture. They proclaimed the greatness of Christ and people began to come to faith right there in the very streets of Jerusalem. The gospel has always been street-focused, not just church-focused. It is not just for us to talk about here. It is for us to embrace and be equipped, to be motivated, to be reminded, to be moved, to go. It is not to sit and soak. It is to sit here and go, to be sent. So it's not sitting and soaking. It's part of it. But then it is sending. And this is the heart of Christ for us. It's been amazing today to hear this this morning. We could, we could spend another hour of people coming up here and talking about sharing with co-workers. We just don't have the time today. Well, we do. We just think other things are more important. But we could hear all day today just what God is doing just in the life of our church, not just on mission trips, but just in our relationships with people that, that are co-workers. This is God's heart that the gospel goes. And the gospel can only go if his people go. Now in Matthew chapter 23, this is in the last week of Jesus' life. And Jesus gives us some unique insight as to why the cities of the world, why our county and the cities in our county have the issues that they have. God's heart has always been for the city. Why? 
Because people are there. And God's heart is for people. God's heart is for people in the villages. And God's heart is for us to unite with His heart to take the gospel to them. Jerusalem is still today the most talked about city in the history of the world. It will continue to be that way. And the issues that Jerusalem had in Jesus' generation when He was on the earth are the same issues that cities and villages and towns have in our day and time in 2019. And so what I would like to do is I would like to establish for us why is our world so broken? Because I think it flows out of what took place in Jerusalem on a consistent basis throughout its history. And I think these things translate into our day and time, and we will close our time today as to what is the solution to the brokenness of our world. And so I've entitled today this Gospel Proclamation in a World of Urgent Need. And I don't know if you've looked around lately, but this world has some unbelievable urgent needs. Great brokenness. I jotted a few things down. Christian scandals have rocked us the last 20 to 25 years. The breakdown of the family, sexual destruction in all different kinds of ways, including abortion, sexual exploitation of children, mainly and particularly girls in some parts of the world, trafficked. Governments are so corrupt and abusive, abandoning our nation, abandoning the foundations that this nation was founded upon, they are gone. But there are people like us, and that's the good news for our nation, is there are people like us all over this country today that are gathering in buildings and love Jesus with all their hearts. There's the oppression of the poor. And something is not right in our world. I hope you see that. Something is not right. Something is so broken. And we need to see the source of this brokenness. And we need to see the solution. And Jesus, in his day and time, lived in a world of urgent need. And so that he came at the right time. At the perfect time, Paul says in Galatians. Christ came and entered the world at the right time. And so let's see what was the reality. So look with me. Uh, Verse 37. Matthew 23. By the way... This is the very last message that Jesus gives the Jews. After 37 through 39, he's with the disciples. There's no more public teaching. There's no more public teaching at all. He's with the disciples, pouring out his heart in the remaining hours in the last week of his life. These are the very last public things that he's saying to the Jews. And this is what he says. O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem. The city that kills the prophets and stones those who were sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now in Luke chapter 13, the same exact text is mentioned there. In Luke, it's recorded earlier in Jesus' ministry. 
I think we can only conclude with this is that Jesus said this prayer and said these things twice. He said it early on at a time when he was in Jerusalem and now he's saying in the very last remaining hours of his life before he is dead and one last time in his last words were to say, O Jerusalem, O Jerusalem. In the Bible, when there's a repetitive nature of names, it indicates great emotion and great feeling connected with that. If you'll remember, Jesus uh, said something to his sister in Luke 10, Martha, Martha. Later he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you. He's after you. And now he says, well, in Acts 9 later, he says this, Jesus meets Paul, Saul, on the road to Damascus, and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And here in the last words to the Jews publicly, Jesus says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Here is why, listen to me, here is why the cities of the world, this is why Jerusalem still has the problem it has today, is it has rejected the messengers that God sent to the city. God, throughout the Jews' history, sent people to them to say this, repent, repent, turn from your sin, place your faith and trust in God, alone is your salvation, You can't work and earn your salvation. You must turn from your sin and repent and trust Christ. And so so all along, God sent messengers to people saying to them, God loves you. God created you. God has a purpose and plan for you. And the cities of the world and here, the Jews, God's chosen unique branded people. I will be your God. You will be my people. And all along God sent messages to them and they said, "Mm, not interested. I'd rather be in control of my life than submit my heart to you. All through their history, they wanted to kill the prophets. They hated Jeremiah for the things that he was saying to them. They ended up killing the prophet Isaiah. Zechariah, who prophesied at the same time that Haggai was prophesying, they killed him. You come to the New Testament, it just continued to be that way. They killed their Messiah, who came. They had been waiting for him for thousands of years. And here he is in their midst, and they kill him. And then Jews who had come to faith in Jesus, or proclaiming in the streets, and then they kill Stephen, and then they kill James, and then they're after Saul, after his salvation. And the reality is simply this, Jerusalem, and the cities of the world, and our county, and where we live, it has the issues that it has for this reason, is that people reject the message that has come to them about the good news of the gospel, that there is a God who loves and a God who wants to save, and there's a rejection of it. Look at the next verse. So that's the first part. He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. So cities have of the world have the problems they have because they reject those who bring the gospel 
to the street. Secondly, they reject the loving care of God. So look at the next part of there of verse 37. How often would I, listen to Jesus' words, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. So watch, it just flows. So, so, so <clears throat> there's been this great rejection. God, God would speak to people and then he would... At times, in Old Testament times, he did that. He spoke literally to people. Those people would tell what God had said. Other times, God spoke to prophets, and they went and they told the people. And all through it, there was a rejection of those whom God sent to the people. But ultimately, there was this great rejection of God himself. And listen to Jesus' heart here. These are to be his people, his unique people, shining the light to the nations. And, and Jesus says this, I'm the one in the Old Testament who is sending people to you to proclaim to you, I want to I protect you, Israel. I want to protect you. I want to be your provider. Carl, what Carl sharing a while ago. I want to be the one who takes care of you. And this is what you told me over and over. You did not care about my love for you. And the reason the world is so chaotic today, the reason governments are the way they are, the reason families are crumbling and all of the stuff that's happening in our world today is because of this, is because the world has rejected the loving care of God who says not just to the Jews 2,000 years ago, but he says to us today, will you let me love you? Will you let me bring you under the shelter and the protection of of my wings. And so this is not just an application to the Jews 2000 years ago. It is an application to you and I. And this is what I would like to ask you and I this morning is this is are you and I rejecting the tender offer of his grace for you and I to leave walking on our own and to step un- into the protection of Jesus Christ? and to walk in His truth, and to be the ones who know Him, and who love Him, and who take the gospel to the nations. Because it begins with individuals. And so here, they've rejected the messengers. They've rejected God Himself. And there's only one result that comes from that. And this is what He says in in 23.38. He says, see, your house is left to you desolate. Those who reject Christ, who forsake abundance, this offer of life in him, they choose desolation. And it is absolutely crazy when this happens, but it happens. Who would forsake abundance and choose desolation? Particularly when the abundance is about the riches of heaven and the grace and the mercy of heaven to reject that. But it is what the Jews did and it is what is happening all over our world today. And yet Christ says, those who forgo a relationship with me, who bypass me, those who are apathetic about me, who reject me, who reject my gospel, they forgo abundance and they choose desolation. Desolation is this is this idea, watch this, of departure. Gone. It's gone. Do you remember when the Philistines came in and they captured the ark? 
and the Jews thought they were going to destroy the Philistines, and the Philistines destroyed them. The Philistines took the ark, and panic ensued, and there was a word that was used in Samuel, and that was the word Ichabod, which means the glory has departed. Desolation has come. And the brokenness of our world, folks, listen to me. The brokenness of our world has come is because the world rejects God and rejects the messengers that have come to bring the gospel to them. And this is what results in it, desolation and abandonment, a loss of things. I don't have time today, but if I could go to Romans chapter 1, I could share with you why America is where it's at. We have abandoned truth. We've suppressed it. Therefore, we're without excuse. It's led to corrupt minds and corrupt hearts. It permeates our government. Our government is corrupt in mind and heart. People are corrupt in mind and heart. And we have loved the creation over the creator. That dominates our culture. That's why you can abort babies at a rapid rate with no feeling about it, is because you love creatures, animals, dogs, cats, horses, bears, over children. And I'm afraid of what's coming for us is this, is that the foundations that have crumbled around us that once founded this nation may never be reestablished again. And we're going to go the way of other nations. We're going to go the way of Europe that once was alive to the gospel. And we may end up being just like them. Because when you embrace lies over truth, and then you begin to approve, as Romans talks about, the practice of those lies as if they are normal. Romans 1 says this, that God turns people over to themselves. And you and I do not want to be God. But that's where we are. So Jerusalem, this came true. You know what happened in AD 70. Titus Vespasian came in and literally ransacked Jerusalem. Luke, when he records these words from Jesus, says this. Not one stone is going to be left. And literally, after the Romans were done in AD 70, there was one tower and one wall that was left of the city of Jerusalem. There was not a building standing except for what we know as the Wailing Wall today. That was all that was left in one tower. See, God told the Jews this, I've been coming to you, 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 and I've been telling you, will you get under my wings? I want to take you like a mother hen takes, takes, but you have just said this, no, you have killed my messengers, you have rejected me, and so now there is desolation that is coming to you. Now since then, watch this, there have been Jews that have come to faith in Christ as their Messiah. But there was a hardness that happened because the rejection of Christ. And there's been a desolation of that nation for a long time. But there's good news. In the future, Jesus says here, last message to them, I'm about to go and you're not going to see me again or hear me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Zechariah chapter 12 talks about this, that Jesus is, 
in the end times, the Jews are going to see, okay, we missed it, and they're going to be broken. And it talks about it in chapter 12 and 13. They were just broken, and they realize we have for thousands of years rejected God's messengers to us. We've rejected the Messiah, and they will come back. And when that happens, Jesus says, I will come, because when he will come when they are ready to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, what I would like for you to do is I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to finish right here. I want to talk about the urgent need of the gospel, and I want to show us something from Christ's life in Matthew 9. But I want to read one other instance in Luke 19. So as you turn to Matthew, or yeah, Matthew 9, I want to read Luke 19. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But they are now, watch this, he's saying to the Jews, but they are now hidden from your eyes. Do you remember what Second, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4 says, or chapter 3, it says this, that there's a veil that's over the Jews when the scripture is read and they can't see, and they can't come to see the glory of Christ until that veil has been removed. And it, and it all stems from their rejection all through the centuries of Jesus, prior to his coming and also when he came. And so he says this, but they're now hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you, speaking of 70 A.D. here, and surround you, and they're going to hem you in on every side, and they're going to tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. So I want to close just a few thoughts here as to... That's the source. The world rejects the message of the church. You ever gone on a mission trip and shared the gospel and somebody says, I'm not interested in that. I hate you. I hate God. I hate Christ. You ever gone to Robinson Ridge, just right behind us over here, and try to share the gospel and people flip you off and say not nice things and they're angry and they're mad? This is the world. So what do we do in a world of urgent need? What do we do? Well, here's what we do. Look at, look at Matthew 9. And Jesus went, 35, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So let's just finish up here. Ready? Here we go. So what is in a world that rejects the messengers and the world that rejects God and the world lies in desolation today? Because it's just rejected when the truth is suppressed and lies become the norm. You have desolation and brokenness. It's all that you can have when that happens. 
So what does a world like that need? It needs believers like you and I to be like Jesus, to draw near and step into the city. And it says this, Jesus drew near to the city. He went into the city. And so you can only draw near if you go. If all you ever do is sit and soak and don't view this as to be sent, then you will never draw near. You will never really get to know what it's like to share the gospel with someone, see them come to faith. Not only do we draw near, but we must see the city with spiritual eyes. When Jesus saw the city that day, it says this, he wept over it. So not only is a world of great desolation need believers to step into it, to embrace the idea of being sent, They've got to see the world with spiritual eyes. Jesus looked at the world and said this, the reason governments have the problem they have, this is not a physical war that we are in. It is a what kind of war? A spiritual war. It's a war that is unseen. Spiritual forces fighting. Satan behind it. Sin running rampant. And so here we are. We take the gospel to those places and we see that the reality is the heart of man has to change. If any change is ever going to take place, listen to me, this country that you and I live in throws money at needs all the time. Has it fixed anything? No. Because what the cities need is not more money. What the cities need is Jesus. And when Jesus changes the heart, the cities change. The perspective on money and care and race relations and all those things are different. Thirdly, this is critical, folks. We've got to be willing to be broken to tears. Jesus looked at Jerusalem that last day in Luke chapter 19, and it says he wept. He wept. And I tell you, I'm never uncomfortable in a church service when grown men cry. Never does that bother me. Sometimes I kind of look around and people are kind of uncomfortable. Who cares? Jesus saw the brokenness and desolation that was going to come to Jerusalem, and he wept. He wept. God himself wept over the brokenness of his people. Because he knew in a few days they were going to hang him on a cross. And they were going to jeer at him and shout at him and curse at him and mock him. And he would hang naked on the cross. These TV shows, we have to tame it up. But our God hung naked, bearing our sin. And here he is in his last words. He just weeps over what they were about to do. The fourth thing that we must do in a world of desolation is this. We must go and teach and meet urgent needs. Matthew 9.35 says this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages. He taught. First thing, watch this. He taught the truth. He taught the gospel. And then it says he healed their diseases and their afflictions. Here's the problem in our world today. The Western church wants to go and just take care of diseases. Let's go do social ministry. 
Let's just go feed people and not share the gospel with them. It's not the pattern of Jesus. What did Jesus do? He proclaimed the gospel and he took care of people's needs. Did people need to eat? Absolutely they do. Should the church be concerned about the poor? Yes. Yes. But we're concerned about the poor to meet their need, knowing that they have a greater need. They need Jesus. Jesus did both things. We must do both things. And so, fourthly, we go and teach and we meet urgent needs. Fifthly, we must be people of compassion for the broken and the aimless. In verse 36 of chapter 9 there, it says this. Jesus, watch this, knew the people were harassed and helpless. You know why? Watch, watch. Not because he stood at home and had people tell him about what the world was like. Do you know why when he saw this large group of people coming to him that day, he knew that they were harassed and helpless? They were like sheep without a shepherd because he had been in their towns and villages. He had met them. He had talked to them. Christians, you're a little foolish if you think your primary ministry ought to be going to the bars every Friday night to share the gospel. We don't, we step into a dark world to share with lost people, but it is critical for us to meet people where they live. Next door neighbors, coworkers, people you go to school with, people in your family. Do you go to a bar and rescue somebody that you know is an alcoholic and making a mistake on a Friday night? Yeah, I'd go do that but I wouldn't stay there. Christians, listen to me. Our primary relationship should be with church people. We build community with one another to be on mission together to take the gospel to a lost world. And I think there's just far more confusion about this. Jesus spent time with lost people But who did he spend the majority of his time with? Twelve men, right? So listen, we must be people of deep compassion. Jesus knew people harassed and helpless. And lastly, this is what the church must embrace, is we must pray for laborers in the field of souls. We must pray for laborers to go into the field of souls to share the gospel with people. Now that starts here in our Jerusalem. It's to our Judea. It's our Samaria. And then it's to the uttermost parts of the world. And what you've heard today in this room is Robinson Ridge right back there. Almost now about 120 feet, Robinson Ridge is at our back door of our church property. All the way to the nations. And what God is saying, I think, to us this morning as we close. And it's, I think, one we need to embrace. We've got to pray for laborers to do that. Now watch this. I don't think, watch, this will be a fun statement, but I'm going to say it. 
Do you think Jesus is asking us to pray for laborers into the harvest field for somebody else to go and not us? I think he's saying this. As you go, you pray for other people that they go. He's not saying, I'm staying home. I tell you what, one of the greatest things that you'll ever do in your life, I'm just telling you if you've never done it, is next summer we're aiming at taking our second family mission trip. Is for you to take a week of vacation and not go to the beach in Florida. To go with us to some hot, God-forsaken place in the United States of America. In late June, in late June, and go love on a city that Jesus died for. I remember the Woodwards a few years ago went to Montana with us. That was Joe's first mission trip. Mike Sisko a few years ago in his 70s went to Asia for the very first time. He didn't go to Robinson Ridge. He said, oh, let me just go to Asia for 12 days. And I tell you, that if we're going to be a church that prays for laborers in the harvest field, it will be because we're a church that's going and we're praying for more people to go with us. Now, we are very unique at this church. Very unique at this church. For the last three years now, fifty about 50% of our church has gone on some kind of mission trip. It's unheard of. It's unheard of. And we are not perfect. You know that. We got issues. This church has issues. Every church has issues. But I think we've found something unique about the heart of Christ that drives us. We love his word. And because we love his word, it naturally moves us to want to go and to tell others about a God who created them. That they don't have to live in desolation, but they can be in a relationship with him and be absolutely changed in that relationship.